It's time now to get the hell out of your life. A weekly broadcast with real people, sharing real struggles, and offering real hope. Today's show will encourage, inspire, and empower you to face life's challenges with a bold confidence and renewed hope. Now let's join our host, Ron Myers. I am so privileged to be with you today, my friends. And today's show deals with overcoming life's adversities and becoming the person you were created to become. And later in the show, I share a message about what happened to me while I was traveling on the road to becoming a millionaire. But first, I'm sure you've all heard the phrase, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Some of us embraced it in our younger days because it was part of the cultural norm. We dabbled a bit and then moved on to a productive life. But others got so wrapped up in it, their lives spiraled out of control. No one could help them because they did not want to help themselves. Well, today's guest was on the highway to hell, destroying lives, using people, and not taking proper care of her children. She was on her way to jail, and then a miracle happened. Today, Jennifer Williams is leading a productive life. She has a master's degree and is well-respected. But more importantly, her life struggles have filled her with wisdom and insight that she will share with you today. Let me introduce my guest, Jennifer Williams. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. How are you today? Doing great. Well, who is Jennifer Williams? Well, um, now I'm someone who, uh, you know, I don't have my life together. You know, I've come a long way. I'm not perfect by any means. Uh, God has been very good to me. Um, you know, I started off as a as a person just growing up in the South and, and living in the youngest of six kids and growing up in a house with a lot of um, dysfunction, a lot of trauma. And I knew more than anything, the number one thing I wanted to do was to get out of that house as quickly as I could. Really? Absolutely. So- um, what age did you know you wanted to get out of your house? I don't know. Probably 12. Wow. 12. Yeah. yeah. So what was life like in the house? Why did you want to get out? You know, my, my parents were doing the best they could with the skills that they had. Um, but my mom and dad had a lot of conflict between each other. And I remember, um, my dad telling my mom when I was 12 years old, you know, I've wanted a divorce for 12 years. And I remember being 12 years old at that time. And I remember that making such a huge impact on me of them not wanting to be together and not having a family, but being there and being miserable, you know. And um, with that, uh, just came the desire of, you know, when I'm old enough, I'm going to get out of here. And I uh, got my first job at 15 and, and started working and, um, you know, started hanging out with people I shouldn't have been hanging out with. Um, but anything outside of that was better than the conflict where I was. So people are like, why are you hanging out with those kind of people? Well, when there's conflict at home, anybody who's kind to you and nice to you is, is attractive. And it doesn't really matter what they're doing because because they like you, you know. Well, what age did you start uh, dabbling with drugs? Yeah, probably about 15. And um, all those were kind of fun and games, partying and going back to quote unquote normal life. Uh, but I was in a wreck when I was about 19 years old and actually had some real injuries. And that opened up a door for doctors and prescriptions for me. And when that door was open, that that took a long time to close. Wow. Yeah. Um, the things that I played around with became an everyday thing. Now, did you finish high school? No, I didn't. I actually dropped out. I dropped out at 16. I moved in with my boyfriend at 17. And uh, we had the place where everybody came and party, you know. And considering where I'd come out of, 
um, freedom, <laughs> you know, money. And um, even though from now looking back on that, you're like, that's crazy. Okay, I was 17. I was an idiot, you know. Uh, you look back at those and go, okay, I had the skills of uh, dysfunctional skills of a 17-year-old. And uh, to me, that was freedom to, to be able to have my own apartment and be out of conflict and have a place that was, um, you know, the height of my success at that time was to have a cute little apartment that was peaceful. Now, you know? wasn't your boyfriend at this time selling drugs? Absolutely. Yeah. So I dated a guy at the time that was a lot older than me and he had a really good job, but he was also selling drugs on the side. So we had the apartment that everybody wanted to come to. You know, um, I'm 17 and my friends are still in school. But I've got an apartment and a boyfriend selling drugs. So so my apartment's the place to be. And, um, you know. So it's party time. Exactly. Wow. Now, what age did you become pregnant? Um, so I didn't get pregnant until I was 26. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Right. I, I didn't know if, uh, if it was during your uh, teenage years. So we'll get into that in just a minute with your children. So you're living this lifestyle. What's a typical lifestyle? What, what did it get worse and worse as time Absolutely. went on? Yeah, the things that were fun at 17, 18, 19 were bondage by the time 24, 25 came along. What do you mean bondage? Yeah. So uh, when you go from doing drugs for fun to having to have them to get up in the morning, that's that's a different story. And I can tell you, for probably about eight years of my life, I calculated what I could do by how many pills I had. So how many family gatherings you can withstand, how much work you can do for the day, how well you're going to sleep at night. Everything is based on how many pills are in that bottle. And that is bondage. Wow. And that's how you lived your life. That's how I lived my life for years. Now, are you working? Yeah, I would have a job. And the job would be a survival job. So it wasn't about going up the ladder of success. It was about surviving. So bare groceries, bare things, and money to party with and money to get prescription with. And initially it was partying. Then it went to more of a doctor shopping type thing and, and buying pills and did the methadone clinic. I, I mean, I've done it all. Um, but at first it was partying, but then it became a, a habit of having to have them. Was there anybody in your life trying to intervene and say, <laughs> Jennifer, you're out of control. You need to do something. Was anybody trying to help you? Well, there was a lot of people in my family that knew the life I was living wasn't good. But the things I was doing, you know, this is a dark thing that you keep in secret, you know, keep in shame and keep in secret. So if you're looking from someone from the outside and they have a place to live and their home is clean and it, it doesn't look like a terrible place to live, it's not successful, but it's it's OK. Um all those secret and hidden things are in the dark for a while, you wow. know. Now, did you have a relationship with your mother or father? I did. Um, um, I had a relationship with my mom, and uh, she tried the best she could to help me. But my mom, uh, my mom had come out of nothing like that. My mom was going to be a nun before she got married. Um, you know, my mom did things in order, so she had no clue how to help me. And and probably a lot of that time debating, did I even need help? Because I was such a liar. You know, it's like, oh, no, mom, I'm fine. You know, that, that, no, you know, this is just normal. Um, she didn't know the depths of the things that was that that was going on. Was there any part of you inside that was crying out and saying, I need to stop this. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going down the wrong road. Yeah, I remember being high and being strung out. And I remember, you know, um, the only thing that comes on late at night are the preachers, like late at night. You remember the old <laughs> television evangelist? And, Have um, you been saved? <laughs> right. And I remember many a night past midnight being in there. That'd be the only thing on and watching that going, 
you know, this sucks. You know, th- this is it. You know, and I remember watching those going, you know, th- this is not this is not where I want to be. And that's in your moment of of distress. But you know what? You get back up the next morning, you pop some pills and you go to work and you do what you got to do. And you numb that until the next time that that comes. So, um, you know, try to tell people that don't understand addiction. You know, you're in bondage, but you can't see. There's a veil of blindness over your face and people on the outside are looking in going, what is wrong with you? But when you are in bondage, you have a darkness, this veil over you, and you are not connected to reality. And you look like you're connected to reality because you may be getting up going to work. You may be doing whatever that is. But there is a disconnect there that you cannot connect with reality. So your survival mode and, um, you know, without getting too religious, that is your God. So everything that you're doing during the day really revolves around how many pills you got, how many wow. drugs, you, you know, and saying so you're you're in a darkness. And um, it's very difficult to describe that to somebody that hasn't been there. Well, listeners, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to hear from Jennifer about how she was on her way to prison, but then a miracle came. What's your story? We're looking for stories of hope and overcoming life's struggles with God's grace. Your story validates God's love, mercy, restoration, and forgiveness. We want to help you share your story with the world. Visit our website, thepromoter.org, and click on the Share Your Story link and submit your story. Your testimony of God's amazing grace will change a person's destiny for eternity. Welcome back, listeners. Uh, in the studios with me today is Jennifer Williams. Jennifer uh, dropped out of school at 16, left her home at 17, moved in with her boyfriend, selling drugs, and she was the life of the party because she was always throwing a party and everybody was coming to her place because she had all the drugs. Now, Jennifer, um, prison was looking at you. Tell the story to our listeners about prison well it got to a point where <clears throat> excuse me i didn't have enough pills by by doing things illegally anymore i began to forge prescriptions and um eventually that caught up with me and a warrant was put out for my arrest and i got picked up one night and there were warrants on the books and <clears throat> because i was such a good liar and because those warrants had been there for <laughs> years you know by the time i go down to the da's office and to the public defender they're like, look, we're, you know, there's been here a couple of years. You look like you got it together because by this time I had had my first child by the time, you know, I got into trouble. And, um, you know, I'm taking care of my kid. I'm, I look from the outside that, you know, don't have a great life, but you look like you kind of got it together. You're taking care of your kid. Um, they were going to drop those charges down to a misdemeanor. <clears throat> so I go back home. I'm like, cool, we're in the cool. Everything's fine. I'll get a misdemeanor, slap on the wrist and, and you know, carry on in life. Well, I go down to the courthouse the day of the court date, and I go in, and the courtroom is cleared out. So everybody leaves, and the only people in there is the judge, the drug court coordinator, and my sister, who at the time I didn't want anything to do with because she knew what was going on with me. 
And the judge said, you have 18 years or drug court. 18 years? 18 years or drug court. Yeah. So um, she said, you will go to rehab today. And uh, so anyway, she put me in jail for five weeks, sent me to rehab for another six weeks. And they sent me to a secular rehab. It didn't have anything to do with religion. Um, But I knew one thing my mother had instilled in me that there was a God. And I knew that my life was so screwed up that the only thing that was going to help me was a God. (laughs) And I sat down on my bed that last weekend in rehab, still didn't know what the court was going to do with me, still didn't know everything that was going on completely, but um, knew I had to go back and face the judge. And uh, I made the first prayer in my life that was a non-manipulative prayer because every other prayer I'd ever made in my life was like, Lord, if you'll just get me out of this, I'll do right. And you last for what, two days, and then you're back doing what you did before. Um, made the first prayer in my life that was an unconditional surrender. Lord, whatever you do with me, whether you send me to jail, whether you send me to drug court, whatever it is that you do, I'll do what you say. So something inside of you broke. Broke. Yes. You were waving that white flag of surrender. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. So what happened? So it came back home. And my sister, who I treated terribly all those years in my addiction, allowed me to move with my two children into her home. Now, her youngest was 13. My youngest was, you know, less than a year old. And so we move into her house and we're 35 miles away from drug court. And if you know anything about drug court, you have a lot of responsibilities. I'm a high school dropout. I've got two children under three years old. I have no car, no money, no earning ability. And my sister allows us to move in. And I move in with these babies who are doing baby stuff, spilling stuff, breaking stuff, whatever. And because she had the grace of God, she allowed us to live there. And we got to live like we were rich, even though we got nothing, you know. Got to move in with my sister and just be treated very well. And, and I, you know, the only thing I can say is that she knew the Lord and she had grace on us to allow us to stay there and haul us everywhere and do, you know, do all the stuff that she did for us. And I eventually got a car, got some scholarships and grants to go to school, get my real estate license. And um, I knew that 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 was a job, but it wasn't what I wanted to do forever. So I kept going to school. And and today you look great mm-hmm. and you have a master's degree. Right. And so you're telling people that doesn't, to me, I'm hearing that it doesn't matter how bad things are in your life it's never too late and that there is a plan for all of us absolutely absolutely wow um i want to ask you something i'm sure there's some parents or grandparents out there that their child or grandchild never made it Mm -hmm. you know they they died over an overdose And they carry a lot of guilt with them, thinking, if I'd only done something, if I could have only done this, maybe they would still be here. And they can't hardly function in life because they carry this guilt. What would you tell that person to give them some hope and encouragement about moving on? Yeah, I mean, this is what I would say is, is, you know, God is a merciful God and he gives us chances. And there comes a place where... We do have to make a decision on that to move forward and, and kind of, you know, call it, you got you to have some hustle. You know what I'm saying? You've got to get up and do something with the opportunities that God has given you. So there's a time that we look as people who love people in addiction and say that you can't continue to enable someone and that they are adults and whatever pain and whatever happened in the past is something that we've got to deal with and move forward with. So so what I would say is, if the God 
is the God of the universe and he holds the planets up, then he is able to know everything from the beginning to the end. And whatever has happened, God tells us, you know, uh, I count not myself worthy uh, to apprehend it all, to understand it all. That's Paul, you know, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament. I don't, he says, I don't even understand it all, but I move forward. You know, I, I don't look back on the things of the past and I look forward and carry on pushing toward the high prize in Christ Jesus. So that's what I would say is even Paul, you know, he had all these things in his past. He had murdered Christians, gave his life to Christ and moved forward. And even with all that stuff in his past, he was able to push forward and say, you know, I don't understand it all, but I but I push forward. Maybe somebody divinely tuned in to the station and heard your story today and they are taking drugs kind of in the same boat. What would you tell that person? Yeah, well, number one, uh, I would tell you to reach out for help. You know, if if you're still there and you're still going around this mountain, you know, you're probably not able to do it by yourself. And there are places like Club Benta Christ. There are other counselors and rehab facilities that will help you, but you've got to raise your hand and ask for help. You know, um, you've got to reach out. And so our, our stuff is listed, clubmetrichrist.com. We're on Facebook. Reach out to someone. Uh, we're not there to embarrass you. We're not to, there to tell anybody your business. We're there to help you. And I would say if you're if you're at a place of bondage like I was, you need to reach out for help, number one. You're not going to be able to do it by yourself. Wow. Now, do you go to groups and speak with individuals or women uh, counseling, uh, counsel, maybe young girls that uh, yeah. are kind of in the same boat uh, you were when you were a youngster? Right. I do. I go around and uh, speak at different rehabs. I, I worked for six years teaching in the schools and, and talking about sexual integrity and drug prevention and things like that. I own my own business now called Immerse Wellness Solutions. And um, the coolest thing that I get to do in my job is to see people come out of the life that I lived. And, uh, you know, a lot of times people like us come out with a lot of physical bondage of damage that we've done to our bodies. So we got all this messed up stuff. We might not be doing drugs anymore. But unfortunately, what you see is a lot of people with past addiction is they move back into the medical model and it's a pill for everything. So it may not be a narcotic anymore, but we've done all this body damage and we got a pill for everything. And to see people realize that you don't have to go that route either, that there is healing And there are things that you can do. I mean, look, I had everything you could have, tons of damage to my body, to my liver. And here I am, you know, uh, at a healthy BMI, not on any pharmaceuticals, able to, uh, you know, walk and run and do all these things uh, with my kids, Um, you know, and that did require some education that did require, you know, some hustle. There's some stuff I had to do on my part. There's some stuff that I had to cut out, but um, being able to come out and, and not, take you know mediocre as is is the recipe for life anymore say not only can you come out of the addiction but you can also come out healthy and um blessed you know what i'm saying and living a fruitful abundant life and that's what i want to see people it's not just addiction free because you can be sober and still have some major issues you know what i'm saying so uh to see people free that's what we want to see now you're obviously a strong uh confident woman you have faith in god there are a lot of women out there that seem to be wearing so many hats today and they are non-stop uh what advice would you give those ladies? Yeah, well, you know, um, 
you can do it all, but you can't do it all 100%. You know, um, you know, I went to school, I uh, got these degrees, had kids. I mean, I had a C-section and I was back at school two weeks later, you know, finishing out the semester. You know, I look back at a lot of that stuff and, and I probably did a lot of things because I felt that I was less than, you know, coming out of an addiction background. I felt there was a lot of work I had to do to make up for for what I had messed up. And there was probably a lot of truth in that. But there's also some truth in the fact that, you know, we are enough. And there's not enough jobs, enough kids to take care of. There's all these things that that we're told. We're told, you know, you got to have a job. You've got to have a great career. You've got to have a house with a bedroom for every child. And then you have to have a nice car. And God forbid you should have a child before you do all that because you did that out of order. Um American, uh, the American dream says, uh, what makes you a good parent is is to be financially well to do. And uh, there's a lot of these things on women that say you have to do all these things. And uh, you can try to do them all, but you're probably not going to do them all well. And what I would say is that God has given you a unique set of gifts and talents. And if you are doing what God would have you to do, that that is the important part. And you're not going to please everybody all the time. And you're going to have to learn to say no. Wow. Very well. Well, we're out of time, but before we go, um, how do people get in touch with you? Yeah, so uh, you can reach us on Facebook, Club Met to Christ. You can reach us on uh, clubmettochrist.com, and you can reach my wellness website at immersewellnesssolutions.org. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming by today and sharing your story. I know people will be touched by your story and your authenticity and your sincerity. You're doing great and keep up the good work. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Listeners, I'm going to take a break. And when I return, I'm going to share a message about my travels on the road to becoming a millionaire. We all need encouragement. Encouragement does one of two things. It either frees us from the trouble we fear or it gives us the strength and courage to meet the trouble when it comes. If you would like to receive a weekly text message of encouragement, simply text the word INSPIRE to 51660. That's INSPIRE to 51660. Our messages will encourage, inspire, and empower you on your journey through life. Life is tough. Be encouraged. Growing up in Iowa, I was often told that if you worked hard, made lots of money, life would be great. So I set a goal to become a millionaire. I was fast on my way. Greed was my personal God leading my every step. The road I was on was full of misery, deceit, unhappiness, manipulation, and emptiness. So to remedy it, I fueled myself with a never-ending drive for more more money, and more self-promotion. The reality is I was running on empty on the highway to hell. But thankfully, something happened on my way to the office 20 years ago. God spoke to my heart. I took a detour and landed on the road of destiny. That decision has given me more riches than any bank account could have. Some of you may easily relate to what I am saying. All the money in the world all the notoriety, and all the right friends will never give you what Jesus desires for you, an intimate relationship with Him, filled with love, peace, purpose, and passion. Now, I have little doubt that I would have achieved millionaire status had I continued on my destructive path of greed and selfish desires. Though, I likely would be living in a big city 
in a beautiful home with a luxury car, but my life, well, it would have been empty. A gilded prison of my own making. And that life would have come at a very heavy cost. I doubt I would have stayed married. I doubt I would have a meaningful relationship with my children. My life would have been void of what really matters. The love of family and friends. The sounds of children growing up and the joy of grandchildren visiting. See, without Jesus as my centerpiece, I would have never discovered my divine destiny. So what is life like without a million? I'm so glad you asked. Well, I'm just like most people. I work hard to pay my bills, afford health insurance and pay for my son's college. I rely on donations for my ministry to operate. But the advantage of my not being a millionaire is my reliance on God's riches to provide for my family. And God never fails me. Trusting and relying on God is a bonus worth more than all the money in the world. And when I stay attuned to His will rather than my own, God strategically places people and opportunities in my path, leading me on a far more joyous journey with greater riches and rewards than I could have ever found on my own. I say all this today to encourage any person that is alone, discouraged, isolated, in pain, or living paycheck to paycheck to rejoice. And you say, why would I rejoice, Ron? Because you can possess what most never will. The divine one who fills every void, every doubt, and every negative thought with his peace. You will see that being where you are is a blessing, as having less leads to more desire for him. He will supply all your needs and you will walk in faith, joy, and love, not fear. So what about you? If you are on the highway to hell that I traveled, I invite you to take a detour and join me on this awesome journey called Divine Destiny. Spend time in prayer and reading the red words of Jesus and depend on Jesus to provide all that you need continually rejoice and always listen to that beautiful still small voice of truth inside that leads to repair restoration renewal and your divine destiny you and i may be without millions in this lifetime but with god we are storing our treasures in heaven for eternity Ron will be back in a moment to wrap up today's conversation. We want to encourage you today with God's promise to you. It comes from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's God's promise to you when you choose to commit your plans and future to Him. Now, back to Ron. Thank you for being a part of my show today. And I hope you accept my invitation to join me on life's awesome journey called Destiny. It's everything you have dreamed of and so much more. Until next time, this is Ron Myers reminding you that God is for you and never against you. Today's show was produced by Ron Myers Ministries, a listener-supported ministry. 
For a copy of today's broadcast, please visit our website, thepromoter.org. And would you prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation so that we may continue to share stories of God's amazing grace with the world? And join us next week for another broadcast of Get the Hell Out of Your Life. Real people sharing real struggles and offering real hope.